that's kind of what I mean by the bandwidth problem. Like, do I really need to spend bandwidth giving someone my whole full heart and focus for 10 minutes when that 10 minutes of whole heart and focus could be spent on somebody whose dog really needs it or really needs that part of the doctor? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the veterinary marketing podcast from Whisker Cloud. I'm Adam Greenbaum, the CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have Dr. William Tancredi on. How are you, man? Good. How are you, sir? I am good. We are here. There's a cat behind me screaming. I haven't done a <laughs> podcast in a couple months, and it feels cat good to be back. And I've got my snoring Boston Terrier next to me and a screaming cat behind me. And it wouldn't be a veterinary podcast if I didn't have animals in the background. So you're coming to me live from Pennsylvania. Southeastern PA, Chad's Ford. Chad's Ford, PA, which is where you're from. That is where I'm from. I'm very lucky to practice in my hometown. Okay, we're going to have to talk about that. In fact, I want to talk about that. Before we jump in, I ask everyone this. I'm a big Marvel fan. A lot of people haven't heard from me in a few months. I say to my wife all the time, Marvel and the MCU are my life. I've never felt so disconnected from Marvel. <laughs> it's a very hard thing for me to take. I'm an adult man who's just, you know, it's been about a year of just nonsense from them. Very, very tough. But... I ask everyone, you know, what's your superpower origin story? So, you know, Bruce Banner goes to save a young kid. The A-bomb drops, gamma radiation, he becomes the Hulk. Spider-Man gets bitten by the radioactive spider. So how did you get into veterinary medicine? I, too, love Marvel. And, you know, the modern-day mythology, I'm all about it. I love a good story. I dreamed of becoming Captain America and woke up and realized I was Doctor Strange. You want to be the superhero with the magic serum that makes you, you know, able to save and protect everybody. But the truth is, it just takes a lot of work and a lot of time. And if you're very, very lucky, there's a path that lets you do that. This is going to be a damn good podcast, people. Not I just like because that. he's a Marvel fan, but man, I just that's a great answer. And I had a good conversation with another veterinarian this morning, Dr. Pam Hale. And she just does a million things in vet med. And, I like her work. Yeah. Like yeah. Her. Okay. Wait, so, you, so you know her. I know her, yeah. but I like her work. Yeah. yeah. And again, same thing, right? It's just like she said some like inspirational stuff. And I said to her, like, you know, I'm doing a podcast in a few minutes. And I'm like, man, this is, I said, you got me hyped up. So, so you're from Chad's Ford and you practice medicine there. Is that weird or is that great? I kind of love it. I really like my hometown. I mean, if I guess if you hated your hometown, it might not be great, but I like my hometown. It's got some charm to it. It's nice to be in a place where you know people and you can get things done. And, you know, if you need a plumber or a landlord or something, you know who to talk to. Building my practice is in is owned by a high school friend of my dad's who the office I'm sitting in now was a hobby shop when I was growing up, you know, that sold matchbox cars and toy trains and stuff. And yours truly spent all of his allowance there 25 years ago right here. And it's it's fun. I like it here. I don't mind being in my hometown. I like practicing for my neighbors. I think it's a good community, and I like to try to be a good part of that community. 
Man, that's a great answer. So I live in Southern California. My hometown is Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm not a fan of Las Vegas, Nevada. I don't miss the heat. I don't miss the crime. I mean, it's not a bad place. And, you know, we work with some vets out there that are amazing. I mean, I, I lived in a suburb, but I mean, I think the heat hits you harder than anything. So it's just, you know, and you grow up in a place and you grow up in a place like Vegas. Unfortunately, you end up with just as many bad memories is good memories. And, and in Vegas, it's not exactly like, Oh, let me go hang out with my neighbor. In fact, in a lot of times in Vegas, your neighbor's probably kind of weird. So you kind of stay away. So like hearing you talk about that really interesting. That's, that's great. I mean, that's really cool. And you know, I would, I would imagine that imagine a town like Chad's Ford, which I'd never heard of before you told me you're from there should be lucky that they have talented people who can go become a doctor and wants to stay because most people would say, yep, I'm going to go be a doctor. I'm going to go to Philly. I don't even know if you're near Philly. but uh, about, about 25 miles west. So, yeah, we're close. But I don't know. It seems to be a town that produces talented people. And you know, there's a lot of doctors here. And I guess the schools are good, something in the water. But I'm proud of my town. There's a lot of talented people that come out here. I love it. Well, you and I had a chance meeting and I'll tell the story of how we met because I'm speaking at AhaCon, which is like two weeks and I'm scrolling through LinkedIn as I do a lot of days and I see you tagged in a post talking about AI in the veterinary practice. And then I look you up and then you had a sub stack and I'm like, this guy is freaking cool. So I reached out to you having never met. And I said, hey, I'm the CEO of Whisker Cloud. And, you know, I've seen what, what you were talking about on your Substack, And, you know, I'd love to chat with you. And so everyone out there knows we had never met. And, and we just got on the phone and talked for like 45 minutes. And I was like, I freaking love this guy. You got to come yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. So we're here to talk about AI and veterinary medicine, which is what I'm talking about at AHA Con. And I'm going to preface this. You know, I've owned Whisker Cloud for eight years. And this podcast has meant the world to me. And I'll tell you, I catch a lot of shit for these podcast episodes. And that's okay. I expect we have thousands of active listeners and you're never going to be. And I've had to learn that as the CEO of my company and veterinarians listening out there, you're going to have to learn that you're just not, you're never going to have a hundred percent of customers love you. And, you know, so I've, I've caught shit and I think this is going to, this is a controversial topic, you know, and I'm prefacing that everyone here, I'm not a vet. I work with vets all day. I've dedicated my life to supporting veterinarians. I have hundreds of I'm veterinarians. Yeah, and I call a lot of veterinarians friends. So everything we talk about today, I've never felt the need to preface. I've never in an episode said something like this, but I felt the need to on this one because I think this is a hot topic. I appreciate that. I didn't realize that it was. I, I stumbled across some like I'll talk about this later, but some Pew Research Center research uh, and surveys and stuff about what people think about AI's use in medicine. But I was introduced to it, a, you know, maybe I guess almost a year ago now. And I think it's great, but not everyone does. And that's a bummer. I did read something uplifting about having controversial opinions. The head of content marketing at Reddit posted the other day that she believed that you should know your industry well enough to have strong opinions. And those strong opinions are, some of them should probably end up being controversial. That's called thought leadership. And I think that's what you've been doing for a long time. And that's what I'm aiming to do about AI. And maybe we can persuade some folks and make things a little bit better for it. I love it. 
And just so everyone knows where I stand on this stuff, I fully bought into it. I'm a heavy investor in many AI companies. When I say heavy investor, I'm not, this is not a $500 thing, $1,000 thing. I'm a heavy investor in AI companies. And, and I'll preface this whole call or this whole episode just by saying that I think AI is going to change the workplace forever. People close to me and my family work in retail. I think AI is going to really, really ruin their lives. And, and I hope they're ready for it. You know, I think about, I was on a podcast recently. I made a comment that we're probably not going to have bank tellers. We're probably not going to have fast food workers. I made, a, I made another comment that I regretted after I said, I don't even know if we need receptionists. And then I thought, well, wait a second. I work with vets. Obviously we need receptionists, but I also think that job's going to change. So I've been pretty controversial about it. So I think you and I should talk about it. I send you a lot of information. You know, I send everyone the same questionnaire. So if you've been on this podcast before, you know, I ask, what made you want to be in the veterinary field? You know, your favorite thing about vet med and your least favorite thing about vet med. And I will tell you, I think within a, a small degree, every single answer about the least favorite thing about vet med is pretty much the same. And I actually think AI helps that. Before we dive in, I want to talk about your favorite things about vet med. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. You said you love that you get to help people. So let's just talk about your love of veterinary medicine before we talk about all the robot stuff that pisses off half the people listening. Yeah. And if anybody's in a hurry to be bothered, I promise I will bother you. I I'm very reliable about that sort of thing, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love practicing vet med. I, you know, even when I've been in bad jobs and I've had a lot of them or had bad bosses and I've had a few of them, I love to practice medicine. It's engaging. It's a, interesting. You get to help people. You get to fix things. Now that I'm in my hometown, I really like, I get to, help my neighbors. Like these are the people, it's a town of 3,500 people. It wasn't, wasn't that big back then, but I get to be there for people I like and care about and try to make things better. 10 or 20 times a day, I get to say to somebody like, your loved one has a problem and I can fix it. That's pretty cool. That's the stuff we should cherish and honor and be really excited about. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, everyone's heard me talk about my pets, my 13-year-old Boston Terrier, Sophie, my 11-year-old Boston Terrier, Baxter, who's snoring next to me, and our 7-year-old tabby cat, Nala, who actually just went in and we did a bunch of tests to make sure she was okay. And we got really good news. You know, we see a cat-only vet out here and it was good news and we were a little worried and a little blood in the urine and, you know, we got a little nervous, but turns out everything was okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love that you said that. I mean, these three, two of the three are like literally within three feet of me are, these are my kids and they're my life. So yeah, I, I appreciate hearing that. So I ask everyone, what's your least favorite thing about vet med? And look, everyone says, and I've actually had multiple people email me about this. Well, sometimes your podcast can get a little negative. And I always say, well, hey, I sent out a questionnaire. And I mean, what did I say to you right before this call? There's no agenda. Let's just see where it goes. Whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, I said, whatever you want, I'm in. I'm here to ask good questions and follow the lead based on what you said. So, and again, I feel like I'm oddly and very out of character for me, like prefacing a lot of this call. But again, I asked you what's an essential thing that vet med needs in the future. And this is where you talked about AI. So you know what? Without further ado, let's just let's just jump into AI. And maybe before you talk about veterinary medicine, just give me your overall thoughts about artificial intelligence. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think it's really, really impressive technology. It's so exciting and interesting to use. 
on our first call together, we talked about you and I are about the same age and we talked about how when we were growing up, you know, having access to computers that didn't always work and things, TVs and VCRs that you had to fix or plug in, you know, nothing just connected automatically. We kind of got an attitude of like, oh, technology is like accessible and you made a very successful career out of it. But, you know, as technology advanced and there's this like magic iPhone in my back pocket, like I have no idea how it works. But this AI stuff is a little imperfect and a little different and has that kind of same feel of the of things when we first discovered search engines and we first started getting text messages and when we first started buying stuff online. It has that kind of like tectonic shift beneath our feet feel to it. And it's so pluripotent that you can use it anywhere. I mean, you can use it to help you interpret blood work. You can use it to help you communicate with clients. You can use it to help you answer emails. You can use it to create a social media schedule. You can use it for whatever you need to use it for. It has limitations. The privacy is a nightmare. They're working on it. The potential for entrenching bias is there. I did read something this morning that was a little troubling. I've worked mostly with the large language models like the chat GPTs and that sort of thing. And I haven't experienced, like, I think the bias is, I think it's very thoughtful in acknowledging its own bias or potential for prejudice. There's a new report from Bloomberg about the image generators. And apparently the image generators are much, much more biased than the large language models seem to be to the point of bordering on racism and sexism and bigotry in ways that we should really be concerned about. Can confirm. I can. I, I haven't used them that much. I, it was news to me. I'm like, oh, neat. It makes pictures. I like words. But the stat that stuck out from the Bloomberg report was like, if you ask the thing to produce a picture of a doctor, 93% of the time it created a male doctor. And 38% of physicians in the United States are women. So maybe, maybe we should work on that. Like, that seems like something we should keep an eye on. We should do something about. But it hasn't been my experience with the large language models at all. Well, I can confirm, you know, I'm a avid mid-journey user. I think the work it creates are out of this world. I mean, I mean, these look like real photos and I also love photography. So I'll go take photos and I'll type in a, something I took a photo of. And sometimes you can't tell the difference, but no bullshit. You can type in most beautiful woman in the world. And 90% of the time it will give you a young, tall, skinny, blonde female with huge breasts. And that's how it interprets it. We were working on some social posts for Whisker Cloud. We we're going to do a post about like the veterinarians of the future. And I mean, my God, we, our first 20 rounds, it was like, and I, and I mean, I, I put together massive prompts and it was like, okay, it's four old white guys. I'm like, well, let's try again. So we try it again and we literally type in. So we did it first just as a veterinary. Then we, when we would physically type in female, the problem was it wouldn't just make the range of females, age ranges, body shapes and sizes, you would do that and they would instantly be like 21-year-old supermodels wearing veterinary coats. And it was like, okay, so this is a little wacky with the image generation, but, you know. Mid-Journey does like pretty people. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, trust me. Mid-Journey always seems to produce like the best looking humans you've ever seen. Yeah, I'm like, that guy's jaw, that's not like how any jaw of any guy I've ever met will ever look when I see like photos from Midjourney. But I will tell you all that here at Whisker Cloud, I mean, I personally, for Whisker Cloud's marketing, we use a lot of AI. In fact, I would say it was 
30-70, AI, and now it's probably 70-30 because we've just gotten so good at it. And I really want to dive into some of the ways that you think about it in the veterinary hospital, not just because I need a lot of good ideas for my talk next week, <laughs> but... Hey, you have everything. Yeah, yeah man. I'm, I'm quoting you. I'm just going to put your picture up That's there. Kind of you. But yeah, I mean, you know, look, I'll tell everyone about how I see it at Whisker Cloud because I'm not in a vet hospital. And I also, you know, after you tell me how you're using it, I have thoughts about how it could be used in a vet hospital. But I'll tell you this. We are experts and I have a lot of very smart subject matter experts here on web design, on SEO, on paid advertising. But you know what no one wants to do in life because it sucks? Even my copywriters, which I have three on staff. It's really hard to write a 2000 word blog post that's going to rank number one on Google. So we came up with our own prompts where we actually keywords. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is we don't want to do that. But what we do want to do is we actually have our own data that we can make anonymous data and we can write a massive prompt and we can give it information and we can give it our thoughts on that information. And it will, it spits us out 2,500 words. Now we take those 2,500 words and we change 80% of them. But the best thing it does is it just formulates it for us. And to be honest, it gives us ideas on like, Oh, that's an interesting subhead of this blog post that we maybe didn't even think about, but this thing thought about it. And this thing is trained on people in the world. Meaning if that's how people think, maybe we're biased here at whisker cloud on what we should be talking about and we should trust how this, so, I mean, that's what we've done. And we've watched, we've watched our own SEO numbers skyrocket. We produced five times the content and it's been really great for us. And it's just so nice to have a tool when you're producing content. You know, when we produce case studies to showcase how great our customers are doing, it's like, that's a lot of work. But if we can spit the data in, throw some charts in and use a couple chat GPT plugins and it can spit us out a 4,000 word case study and all we do is pare it down, clean it up. I mean, we never copy and paste it. We go through it meticulously, but I will tell you all, it takes two to three hours to go through it meticulously, clean it up, add links, get our data in there and make it sound like our brand voice, as opposed to the week it would take before to do that. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm totally with you. And I think there was a study published in Health Affairs magazine about uh, the journal. Physicians reported spending about 51% of their day on electronic medical records. With AI transcription services, translations, producing client-friendly summaries, like we can solve the bandwidth problem, you know, the productivity crisis by the end of the week. <laughs> like I created one in a free half hour and I'm not a tech guy. I can't get my printer to work. It's so accessible to use on stuff. Like I'm trying to give talks on this too. I'm not quite as good at it as you are, but you can copy and paste blood work results into a large language model and it'll spit out an interpretation. And I don't think it's as good as an experienced doctor, but it's probably as good as I was as a fourth year student or a first year doctor. And, you know, stuff that used to take 10 minutes can take five. And I do worry that vet med being what it is like, well, that means you can see 40 patients a day instead of 20. And I don't really want to see that happen. But <laughs> you know, the fact that we could spend more time doing the things that matter and less time in front of a computer screen, like, you mean I don't have to type records or enter charges? I could just talk to the client and look at the dog and look at the cat and see what's going on. And it's in the records and it's all recorded and it's totally legit. 
and we're done. That <laughs> sounds pretty cool. That sounds great. That sounds like all the stuff I want to do. That sounds like why I like doing this job every day. And I mean, I think everybody should be using it. I've definitely found personally, it makes my emails a lot nicer. I tend to be <laughs> direct to a fault, to put it mildly. It's much better at the niceties, the greetings and the hope you're doing wells and the sign-offs and, you know, stay safe or whatever. It's, I think it's artificial intelligence and genuine empathy. It seems it can lift that burden of those emotional lifts. Instead of writing a 2,000-word blog post that's crammed full of keywords, I'm adapting one, a novel one, to my own tone and voice and message. It's not perfect, but it saves a lot of time. And by the way, you can do that. I mean, in ChatGPT, they release custom instructions where every prompt moving forward, you can say, this is my tone, this is my voice. And that's what we did at Whisker Cloud. And by the way, I ran a hundred tests. This is our brand voice and brand tone. And I would ask it to spit something out. I'm like, nope, that's not us. Try it again until we got it right. And I was laughing so hard just now when you said you use it to make your emails nicer. Because, I mean, I do the same. I mean, look, I'm the CEO of a company that's doubled in size every year for like five straight years. It is hard. It is so draining. Awesome. It is hard. Congratulations. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I would. I mean, it's awesome. Like, you should be really proud of that. I, listen, I love it. I love it. It's my baby. But it's also, you know, it's sort of like what you were saying, right? There comes a time where you made a good point about, like, it's not about seeing 40 dogs in a day. But it's about seeing the 20 to 25 and then having time to breathe and time to care and time to download that I probably haven't done in five straight years. I don't think I've had a moment to just take a second and say like, wow, this is really exciting because it's always like we got to keep pushing. And yeah, I mean, I think that's what AI is going to do here. And, you know, listen, I'm going to be real and I don't have chat GPT to make what I'm about to say sound nicer. I think a lot of people are going to lose their jobs a lot. And I was on a podcast an AI podcast. And he asked me a question and my answer, I was such a schmuck. I was such a good podcast until that line. And, and I said, you know, like, look, I think a lot of fast food workers are going to lose their jobs. And, you know, he said, well, let me ask you a question. Why couldn't someone who worked at McDonald's just go become someone who like trains AI models and, you know, as a prompt engineer, and I said, look, in a perfect world, you would hope that. But I, just, I don't know if you go from like, yeah, I work at McDonald's to this. And again, I don't mean that to be horrible. That's just the fact of the matter. And by the way, I'm a schmuck who runs a tech company. I'm only good at this, just so everyone knows. There's very few things I would never be able to go do because this is the only thing I'm good at. So, you know, I don't mean it in a bad way, but I've told a story on this on this podcast I had an amazing vet who's a whisker cloud customer. I moved. It was just a little too far. And we ended up trying out another vet. And we really chose them because they were AHA certified. And my dogs are getting older. And I just said, you know, if they're, you know, if they're AHA, then they at least care and they're putting money behind it. And I went on a Saturday and I mean, I was just ignored. And I was the only person in the room. And, you know, they had already rescheduled me after I was there. And it was semi-serious thing for my dog. And they had four receptionists sitting there on a Saturday. I am the only single person in the waiting room. And this is a giant clinic here in Southern California. And the phone barely rang and they just sat there and talked. And I just thought to myself, man, there's a lot of hospitals who are really struggling. These people are sitting here with four people sitting there. And it was just, it was just an odd day. So I think there'll be changes to the way veterinary offices and clinics and even mobile businesses operate. And it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy, but it's also going to potentially help clinics that may have closed 
or that had to cut back on doctors and things like that. What are your thoughts when I say that? Does it, I mean, is it, does it come off as really cynical and horrible? No, I don't think it does because I see those four receptionists having worked. Maybe they spent a brutal week. Maybe it was emotionally draining. Maybe it was personally draining. Maybe it was work. Maybe it was their home lives. Maybe something happened in the news that upset them, right? And if there's a bit of software that can like lower that emotional burden and free up some of that bandwidth, maybe they can make that lift to talk to the person in the exam room or in the, in the lobby and greet you in a friendly fashion and say, yeah, I, you know, I'm here for you. How can, I'm sorry we had to reschedule. I'm sorry. This is, it's a long day. It's a busy day. It's a, whatever happened with the schedule. Like maybe we give some of that humanity back to them by lowering the burden of it elsewhere. If you have to make, say you've got, you know, 10 good emotional lifts every day. Well, maybe, you know, on a tough day, you're done by like, you're out of, you're out of ammo by 830 AM. And yeah. Right. And like, if you can do like, man, if I can really save those for the ones that matter, then I don't have to be present when I'm writing an email about a negative fecal. I can be <laughs> present when somebody's new and stressed and frustrated and their dog's sick and they've never been here before. And I can have a little more bandwidth for them. Like, I don't think we have so much a productivity crisis as a bandwidth crisis. I can cut all day long. I can give shots all day long. I can diagnose all day long, but the emotional bandwidth that it takes to interact. And I'm like, man, I'm a hardcore died in the wool, born and bred introvert. So I, you know, I love the people I, I serve as a veterinarian and I really appreciate my clients and my staff and, but it does drain rather than like, I need time alone to recover from that. And if I can do those things a little bit better with a little less oomph every time I make that lift, I think maybe, maybe you need three of them instead of four of them, but maybe they're better at their jobs and you want to keep them anyway. And the whole environment gets a little happier and more personal because you have given people the ability to fend off the things that tax your attention and your focus with the AI chatbot. And the people who are right in front of you, you've got more for them. You've got more of yourself for them. Hot damn, you answered that perfectly. And I'll and I'll tell you, man, I, I get up at 4 a.m. every day and you know made the comment about being done by 8:30. It's hard. I mean, by 8.30, I've seen, you know, I check our support queue. I just want to make sure everyone's okay. And I've, you know, I've seen the slacks. I've seen the emails. I've, you know, checked on customers. I've checked on friends who use us. And yeah, by 8.30 most days. And it's not like it's all bad stuff. It's just, it is information overload every day. And every day, my head of marketing, Sarah, who's just out of this world amazing, she cracks a joke. Every time we're like on a zoom meeting, my phone will ring like 20 times. And she's just like, how do you live like that? And I'm like, no shit. It's every day. And you know, I like what you said just about being present because I'll tell you something. I'll tie this to something in my personal life, which is interesting, but I also think this makes sense. And I, and I'll tell you all in the past I've had vets. I'm a very particular person. I'm very OCD which I think helps me in a lot of parts of life. And I think it's, and it makes a lot of 
my life excruciating because I deal with this perfectionism that honestly drives me crazy. If you all saw my closet, you'd think I'm a psychopath the way I like hang my clothes and shirts and by color and all that. But a couple good examples of this, you know, in the past, if I've been like, if I've taken my dogs to go to the vet, you know, it's like, oh, Baxter needs Apoquel and I email them and I get an email back and it's full of misspellings or it's written in like freehand. It's just sort of like, yeah, just, just, you know, I seen that come in, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, yikes. You are, you know, you are part of the team that if God forbid anything crazy ever happened to this dog, you are going to be the first person I see that day. So I've struggled with that. And I'll tell you all something that's happening in my personal life now. So my wife and I bought our house in the end of 2019, right before COVID. And then COVID hit and we have a beautiful house here in Southern California and we haven't done anything with it. I mean, you know, it's a nice house. It was built in 2015, which is, you know, not common for the area. And, you know, it's perfect for our dogs and it's, and my wife loves it and it's by her job and it's by where the Whisker Club office was before the pandemic came. And, you know, we made the decision recently, like, hey, we bought this house. We've just kind of lived in it because of the COVID stuff. And we said, you know, we want to change a couple of things. We want to change the flooring. We want to change our sinks because, you know, it's just like builder's grade and it just hasn't been that great. So we made this decision. We hired an interior designer, which I was, by the way, before I agreed to that, which my wife really wanted to do, I used every AI software. And so there are some cool cool stuff out there. Are there? Oh my. And it's like, I would take a picture of my office at home and describe what I want. And I was like, I said to my wife, like, yo, this is really good. Like, why would we go pay someone 150 an hour? And I also, right before my journey of whisker cloud, I was the third employee at a virtual interior design company. So, and it was using like early, early tech of AI. So I thought like, okay, I can figure this out. We don't need to go spend $200 an hour to go look at paint samples. So you know, we interview a lot of people. We hired someone a couple weeks ago and a couple weeks in shocking for everyone that knows me and knows I'm OCD weirdo. The communication has been horrible and the communication's horrible because it's very freehand. It's just very like, yep, I'll send you this, you know, and it's not like we're like, Hey, we're going to spend a lot of money both with you and on the new floors, the new couch, because this couch has been tabby catted to hell. You know, we want to do all these things. And I was just thinking like, I was saying to my wife, I really like our designer. I really like their company, but her ability to communicate with us has been so poor. I would feel better even if I read it and was like, was that written by chat GPC? That feels like it was written by chat GPC. I would feel better just to know that it was like, Hey, Adam and Liz, I hope you're having a wonderful day. I just want to let you know, you know, and like, and just have, give me two paragraphs where it just, Mm-hmm. Give me the optics Absolutely. that you give a shit here. Give me the optics. But we haven't even gotten that. So she was supposed to send us something Friday of last week. Right now it's Wednesday. So yesterday my wife emailed her. It was Tuesday. And, and she was like, hey, we haven't heard from you. And she was like, oh, that's right. I meant to send it Friday. And then she sends us like a sentence or two of just BS. And I'm just thinking like, come on. You were supposed to send it Friday. It's now Tuesday. It like being blown off. Yeah, it feels yeah. like you're being blown off. All she has to do is literally go into chat GPT and say, you are a professional interior designer. Your clients are Adam and Liz Greenbaum. You're helping them with their home in Newport Beach. You know, they've asked for an update and when we would start seeing things and how we could schedule to start looking at some of the designs. Write a kind email letting them know that you're in the process of working on it. I mean, it would take her 30 seconds to write that prompt and she could just pretty much copy and paste it. And I, of course, me, I would have been like, well, I, I know what's chat GPT and what's not. My wife would have been like, oh yeah, that's great. And she would have been like, oh, this is amazing. So I do think there's something to it just because you understand or I understand AI doesn't mean that the public does. And I, when you were talking about like sending emails about like fecal results, I mean, 
literally you could pre-create prompts at your clinic. Just like this is our email template for fecal. This I absolutely have. Yeah, exactly. There's a Google doc with the prompts. We have other software where we tag it and everything else. And, you know, I read everyone. I just don't need to type every email, you know, you know, it's a negative fecal result. Like, nope, we're good. It was just a yearly fecal, no big deal. But you spent money on it. I read it, but that's kind of what I mean by the bandwidth problem. Like, do I really need to spend bandwidth, like giving someone like my whole full heart and focus for 10 minutes when that 10 minutes of whole heart and focus could be spent on somebody whose dog really needs it or really needs that part of the doctor. And I don't think you get worse medicine that way. I think you just, you preserve the people for when they need it, when you need them. If you look at statistics on, and I'm a huge sports nerd and I'm sorry for doing this. I was trying to get through this without any sports analogies. What are, we, are we going Eagles here? We were actually going to go with the Chicago Bulls. So Michael Jordan was really restrained and Phil Jackson, his coach, when he was at the Bulls, like they really pulled him back and kind of tried to save him for the fourth quarter. He played every night, but they really tried to make sure that he was ready when it was clutch time. And I think we have this kind of competitive martyrdom in veterinary medicine where we just it's almost like we're racing to burnout. And I think, you know, if you save yourselves, like you're there a little bit more for the times and the moments when you've got to dig a little deeper. I mean, you can't operate at a hundred percent capacity a hundred percent of the time and think and expect to have anything in the tank when things get tougher. And I got bad news and I've got good news. Things are going to get tougher and that's both. Yeah, man. Well, I think it's really cool that you're a sports nerd. So am I, and I love, and my whole family's from Chicago and there's nothing more than I, that I love more than talking about the second best basketball player of all time. Who's Michael Jordan. You're definitely from, you're definitely living in LA. That's for sure. <laughs> First off, my love of that guy was well before LA, although I did talk about him in my wedding vows. So, and listen, you know, for everyone out there straight up about me, I graduated high school early, early. I graduated college early. I feel like my whole life has been in a rush. I moved out of the house when I was in high school. And I'll tell you, I'm, you know, in my mid thirties and I'm dead. Like I feel drained because, but I also still, I mean, I still go a thousand miles an hour every day at whisker cloud. And that's why I love AI because I see it changing the world. I, so I have this thing in life that I'm basically Larry David the weirdest stuff happens to me all the time. My life is just a big episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm or Seinfeld. And it feels like it's daily. My wife just cracks up. She's like, this stuff only happens to you ever. But I, I always feel like life is full of, and this is going to totally be me as, the, as a guy who loves and sees a lot of the incredible Hulk and Bruce Banner and himself. I feel like life both at work personally, like out in the world and, and, you know, dealing with customers and stuff. Life is just full of thousands of little micro frustrations all the time. And, you know, I think there's a lot of days where you're in a good place and you don't think about them. And then you have a rough day and like each little micro thing that should never be a thing is a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And I see AI as fixing that and solving that problem. And I think that 
listen, I sold my company and I don't know if everyone knows that, you know, we merged. Yeah. I appreciate that. And we merged with pet desk and vet storia and contact and another company. And it's been really exciting. And, you know, part of the deal was that I stay on and continue running this thing. And it's been one of the most exciting, challenging things in my life. And it's been very fun. And it's just given me a new perspective on life now that I have all these other people and business partners to work with. And I just think that the world is changing fast and your life changes fast, both if you're a veterinarian, if you're the CEO of Whisker Cloud, things change. And the only thing that I've realized since selling the company is success, money, it truly doesn't matter if you don't have time. Nothing matters without time. And I found that, that like I sold the company and the one thing I still don't have is time. And that's hard. And I think AI solves the time problem, as you've alluded to many times in your practice. Like AI gives us the time to care. You know, I get up at four, usually between four and four fifteen every day. And I, you know, usually start by sending emails and Slack messages. And I end my day at about five, five fifteen of sending emails and Slacks and getting caught up. And I'll tell you, that used to take hours. Now it doesn't. Now it takes 25 minutes. And it's just like, it gives me the time to not tell my wife, hey, give me 10 minutes before you start dinner. I, I got to send these emails. Now I just, they're sent. So I just think AI does that. And it's, you know, and this isn't something that should be scary. But let me ask you this. If you had to guess right now, what percentage of veterinarians would you say are nervous or unsure about artificial intelligence? It has to be more than half. I mean, I saw the Pew Center statistics yesterday, but I think it's more than half. I think, and I'm glad you brought this up because I really want to make this point. I don't think AI is a replacement for what we do, but I think it's an augmentation. And I think if you're thinking that I'm going to rely on it, I'm not going to rely on it. I'm going to use it like a tool, like I use a textbook or a message board or a phone consult. Like I'm not going to turn off my brain and let something else do the work, but I am going to use it to help me do a better job. And I think that's how we need to embrace it, not as replacement, but as augmentation. And you're not having it answer and interpret the messages without your input. You're just doing it faster. And I think that's where, like, if people are afraid of it, a lot of people don't understand it. There was a radiologist at ACVIM who was quoted as comparing it to, like, hey, we've all seen all those science fiction movies, AI robots, they take over the world. It's terrible. It's like, that's not where we live, man. Like, that's, I get that the radiologists are a little nervous, but I don't think they should be. Like, what if we took all the easy stuff off your plate and you got nothing but cool cases, hard cases? Like, wouldn't that sound like more fun to a radiologist? I think we just augment it. Like, when you look at the studies in human men, if you take the histopath and everything and the histopathology and the radiology, you look at the outcomes. And it's not about if humans are better than robots or if robots are better than humans. It's about when they work together, they're way better than either is alone. And I think that's where it's at. I think that's what it gives us time and space, but it can also just elevate the average. And when you're talking about people who are going to be out of a job, it's like maybe, or maybe they're just going to have this awesome new learning tool to do their job better and help erase the weaknesses of their, they didn't have the good luck or good talent or good timing to learn. I fully acknowledge that I am 
the poster child for the privileged patriarchy. Like I was born at the luckiest time to about the, you know, the richest country in the world in history. Like that's pretty fortunate. I got a good education. That's awesome. But this I think can give back so much of and democratize so much information that I think creating more time and space for people to be themselves is that's the dream. That's the home run that I see with artificial intelligence. Well, I just read a study that AI is outpacing human performance like across the board, which I think is obvious and it's growing at such a faster rate. Also, there was just an IBM study that said 40% of workers will have to reskill in the next three years due to AI. Yeah, that scans, right? Like that makes sense to me. But I mean, you and I know it, like the average number of jobs a person has in their life is like, it's double digits. People don't like hearing it, but you know, you're going to have to learn and retrain on the job. Old veterinarians had to learn digital radiology and ultrasound and new lab tests. And I'm going to have to learn new medical procedures and new drugs and everything else, like new surgical procedures. We'll have to learn new things. And I, I'm so excited to do that. I mean, people, oh my God, you're going to lose your job. It's like, yeah, but you'll get another one doing something else. The economy is not going to tolerate 40% unemployment. Like, it'll balance out. There's too much at stake. Like there's too many happy, wealthy, well-fed people for us to descend into uh, chaos. I agree. Just like chaos where everything is just automated in life. Plus, I don't know, like even here in America, which is the greatest country on earth, guess what? Stuff moves really slowly. Our government makes almost nothing easy and everything moves slow in this in this country. So I, I you know, I hate to break it to everyone. There's not going to be robo taxis and robo banks around the corner tomorrow. Yeah, and it's I mean it's gonna be years and it's gonna frustrate the enthusiasts, which is a term I love, by the way, like you and me, but it's gonna be okay. Like everybody thought that, you know, the pandemic was gonna lead to, you know, oh, it's a catastrophe of this kind, and then it you know, then remote work kind of became a thing. And now we're kind of getting away from it. And lots of people are going back to the office and some aren't. And it's like, it's all right. It stabilizes. You read the guys about, you know, the Zians and the Tim Marshalls who talk about geopolitics. Like there's just too many people who have it too good for everybody to go. Yeah, we should just burn the whole thing down. It's like, It'll be fine. I agree with you. So let me ask you this. Let's say you had the power you had a magic wand and you could change veterinary medicine tomorrow. Now you don't have to use that wand for AI, but what would you do with that wand? How would, you know, what would you change in veterinary medicine just by, again, your Thanos, you've got the gauntlet and the infinity stones. You could just snap your fingers and make anything happen. What would you do? Um, well, I of course pay off everyone's student loans. There you go. I like that. But I think I'd give people the opportunity each and every one of them the opportunity to decide if they wanted to be happy doing this job or not be happy doing this job. Because I think you have a lot more power to control your reality than we're led to believe. And you can choose to treat the AI or the job of vet med or the problems in vet med with the delight and fortitude of somebody who likes to fix things, or you could treat it with the despair and hand wringing of someone who sees no way up and I'd rather be the former and I sleep better at night believing in and choosing to be the former. People say, well, you can't control your emotions. It's like, well, 
Yeah, but you also don't have to believe everything you think. And you can decide how to interpret and process and experience the world. And you can treat it as hot and uncomfortable and miserable. Or you can treat it with excitement and joy and powered by the same energy that lights the stars. <laughs> it's up to you. And I would give everybody the opportunity to make that decision and say, if you want to be happy, you can choose to be happy. I love that. You know, it's, and I told you before this episode, it always, it always ends up sort of in the same spot, no matter what we're talking about. It always talks about the happiness levels of veterinary medicine. Now, listen, I'll, I'm, I'm the first one to tell everyone in veterinary medicine. I've been the head of marketing at human healthcare organizations, advertising agencies, startups. You know, what's like pretty universal is most people are tired and frustrated a lot, especially people who are really good at their jobs. I'm just a tortured soul myself because I love this and I care about it so deeply that I spend every waking minute doing it and it sucks. And I hate when I'm away from it, but when I am away from it, it's nice. And then I miss it. So yeah, it's tough. And veterinary medicine, it's crazy with the suicide issues and the toxicity and the unhappiness and the non-competes and the NDAs and the other, all the other million things happening here. It's a lot. And I always thought that me being an outsider coming in here could make a dent in it. And I mean, eight years in, I haven't made a dent in it, which I, maybe I was just feeling myself when I thought that. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, I think having the courage to do things differently and do things better is important. And, you know, you've helped clinics do things better and do things in a more modern, successful fashion. Like how many clinics have you helped to be more successful that let the doctors spend more time with their kids or spend more time doing what they wanted to do, riding their horses or playing with their dogs or building Legos or watching Marvel movies. Like, I think those things make the world better. They just, you don't win the Nobel for it, but that's the work we do. And I think you got to believe in that. I think you should. I mean, the proof's kind of in the pudding for you. I think, I don't think you've been faking it. And yeah, I mean, like you should revel in it. You should throw a party and celebrate it and like say, this is what we've done. This is what we've built and we're going to toast the accomplishment. And my biggest problem with vet med, and it's my problem with a lot of things is I don't like how we keep score. I don't like that your only measures of success are either financial success or workload. The best surgeon I've ever seen by a wide margin right? This guy's unbelievable. Does he work 14 hours a day? Does he run a 20 doctor surgery center? No, he works when he wants with who he wants doing the surgeries he wants. Why do I feel like I know who you're talking about? Give me the first letter of his last name. Mm, I'm not sure you know this guy. He keeps a low profile. It's L. Okay. It's not who I was thinking. I know a guy, I know a guy in Pennsylvania who that sounded a lot like, I know you're listening, Phil. I know you're listening. Oh, that's funny. I, I do like Phil. Phil is an excellent surgeon. I'm fine with Phil. I think I think highly of him. But I've seen this other fellow do more surgery. I've been very impressed. But I like. I don't think. You know, have you been happy? Have you enjoyed the work? Have you? Are you proud of the work? Are you satisfied? Like those are the measures, not necessarily like how much money did you make. Who cares? Is it enough? Yeah, great. Was it agony? Did it ruin your life? And maybe it probably wasn't enough money. And I don't think money makes up for that. So 
I think we measure things the wrong way. Who worked the longest day? Who had the worst cases? Who made the most money? Those are the things that we measure wrong. And like if, you know, Phil is happy running his practices and writing articles and lecturing and doing his thing, then he's winning. And I don't care what his bottom line looks like or what his credentials look like. And we can all be successful that way. I don't want to run a 10 doctor hospital. You know, I don't want to open seven hospitals and not see my fiance or kid. Like that's not the life I want to lead. And if I'm playing the game to chase somebody else's joy, to chase somebody else's idea of success, I'm going to lose. I don't even know the rules. I'm definitely going to lose that game. And I think we do that. I think social media makes it worse. And it's just crazy to me. Like, you're not a better doctor because you're famous, right? Like, you're not a better leader because you're famous. You're not a better business owner because you're famous. In fact, a lot of times if you're super famous, something's going horribly wrong. I think we got to honor the things that like, hey, are you happy with where you're at? Are you happy with where your life is? Are things going good for you? Yeah. Then you're, congratulations, man. You have succeeded. That is what winning looks like. That's the name of the game. Man, maybe you should be speaking at AHA Con instead of me in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I probably don't have a lot of friends at AHA right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. We shouldn't talk about that. Well, that's my fault, but not yours. You, Yeah, you stuck up for them. So, you know, end of the podcast, give everyone the 30-second spiel. You know, how can they find you? How can they connect with you? If, you know, if they liked what you said today, you know, where, where are you at? I write on Substack. I try to publish at least once or twice a week on Substack. Message me on LinkedIn. My phone number's on the hospital website. You can send the my emails listed on the hospital website. It's doc at oldridgevet.com. Reach out anytime. That's how you and I found each other. And you messaged me on LinkedIn. I said, here's my cell. You got time this afternoon? And it's led to a great podcast. Well, maybe, I don't know. I'm not the judge of podcasts, but I've had it really enjoyed talking. Hey to man, you. I loved it. I'm curious to see how this is received and I appreciate the time and, you know, just so everyone out there knows I'll, I'll put his Substack and some other links and his LinkedIn page in the show notes on the whisker cloud site. When this goes live, we'll have it edited for a couple of days and then push it out. And, you know, listen, if you're out there, the only favor I ask of you is go engage, you know, obviously Go say hi to Dr. Tancredi. Tell him you loved him here. Go like, follow, and share Whisker Cloud social pages, Pet Desk, Vet Storia, you know, listen to the podcast, all of that fun stuff. And hey man, I really appreciate the talk today. This was awesome. And I and I don't think it's our last conversation. I hope not. I hope not. And I, I wish you luck at AHA. And I think everybody listening should go play with Chat GPT or one of the chatbots. And like just go fiddle with it. Just go mess with it and see what it does you know, just try it. I love it. Please do. And if, if anyone has questions about it, message me. You can message me directly. I, I literally have a prompt library of 500 prompts. So I got your back. Well, everyone appreciate the time. Have a great day and we'll talk soon. 